everybody, my name's Andrew Gray. Now normally when I do podcasts, record podcasts, I interview someone else and pick their brains. But in this podcast, I'm going to explain to you the 14 things that you should do when you've been dismissed, sacked, fired, whichever the word is you want to use. The 14 things that I think you should do when this dreadful moment has happened. Now I've blogged about it on our website and you can see my points there, but this is me going over my points with you and I hope you get some use from it. So of course, being fired or sacked can feel like the end of the world. It really can. There's an overwhelming mix of helplessness, fear and injustice that how you've been treated. It's an awful feeling that, that that's, I've never had it, but I've represented so many people that have had that experience and I can see the look in their eyes. My heart really does go out to, to you. But as Hal Lancaster wrote about it in the Wall Street Journal many years ago, he said, and I agree, getting fired is nature's way of telling you that you had the wrong job in the first place. By that, I mean, if your organisation was wrong to fire you, and they didn't appreciate the work that you were doing and how good you were for them, then they're the fools. And why would you want to work for fools? Alternatively, if you know in your heart of hearts that your employer was right to fire you, then you have the chance to start afresh, the chance to learn, and the chance to move on. Either way, you've got this opportunity, not of your choosing, but it is there. So whilst you might be going through a dreadful time, I've seen so many people with glum looks on their faces coming to see us about a dismissal that's happened to them. I suggest you try to make the best of this opportunity and I hope that you see that the dismissal as a positive change for the long term for you. Providing you've got a roof over your head and food on your table, all is not lost. So the first thing I really recommend that you do, as bonkers as it sounds, is to celebrate. Really, you should celebrate. Celebrate how you choose to celebrate, whether it's going out for a drink, a meal, or whatever it would be, consider it. This is the best way to look at what is a dreadful situation. So number one, celebrate. Number two, once those celebrations, perhaps muted celebrations, are out of the way, this is a time for you, whilst you haven't got any work to attend to, to consider the big questions in life. Very rarely do you have a time in your busy lives to consider your purpose, your values. You know, ask yourself, if you could do any job in the world, what would it be? I think this is the time for those big thoughts. The old adage is, and you probably know it, choose a job that you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Now, very rarely do people get to work in jobs they absolutely love, but wouldn't it be great if you, your job is your calling and it doesn't feel like work. I'd say in, in my experience, having represented so many people in this scenario, rarely have I met someone who was fired from a job that they truly loved it, where their, their full talents were being used. The, the people who tend to get fired rightly or wrongly, they tend not to have adored their job. So once you've got over the immediate anxiety of being fired, ponder those big questions. Because once you're enmeshed in a job, you know, you're having to wake up early, you're commuting, you're doing your job you might not like, you're coming home, you're in your tea, 
you know, uh, having a glass of wine or something or a beer to overcome the job that you weren't probably too keen on. Use those moments now, untether to any job or profession to really consider your future. Maybe seek counselling, speak to friends, speak to family. Now is your time. I recommend that you have a job where your personal values and your work sit neatly as, as one. If you don't know your values and if you don't know what you want to do with your time, you're usually pretty miserable at work, just living for the weekend. I don't know any successful people, and when I use the term successful people, I don't mean it in terms of wealth, how much money they're paid for their job, but I don't know any successful people who hate their jobs, because really it's impossible to be good at something that you hate. I pity anyone that hates their job. Third, number three, when you've been fired, reduce your spending. If we're being frank with ourselves, we all know, or most of us know, that we don't exactly live within our means. When you've been fired, you must cut your cloth accordingly. In order to give yourself the maximum time before you find a new job, or perhaps even start a new business, reduce your spending as far as you can. One of the stresses of being fired is that you have to be strict on yourself, ruthlessly identifying those things that you don't need and those that you can afford to live without. Once you've done this, you'll realize that you can survive on significantly less than before you were fired. Paraphrasing Sir Francis Bacon, he said, prosperity divorces, sorry, prosperity discovers vice, adversity discovers virtue. I agree with that. Now moving on to what you should be doing if you're preparing for a claim, the fourth thing I recommend people do in this scenario is to compile a diary of events, what's happened, particularly whilst it's fresh in your mind. Even if you, the first thing in your mind isn't bringing an employment tribunal claim against your former employer, I recommend strongly that you write down what's happened to you, who said what. I'd write it down on paper or better still on a smartphone and save it in a cloud. I recommend that you keep copies of all the communications that your former employer sent to you. It could even be text messages, WhatsApp messages, emails, letters. Please compile it all. Ensure that you take notes, often handwritten notes are best, of what you're told over the telephone by your employer because these contemporaneous notes could be very good evidence as what was said to you if the matter goes to an employment tribunal. Now lawyers like me, we love evidence give us stuff, you know, give us organised documents in chronological, I mean, date, order. The better you present your claim to us, the lawyers, the more likely it is that we can offer you no win, no fee agreements. Lawyers, frankly, like most people, we're all a little bit lazy, so the more organised you make it for us, the easier it will be for us in advising you. And if you are paying a lawyer an hourly rate, it, it's in your best interest to have the fewest hours spent on your case as possible and do that whilst you don't have a job in preparing your case properly. Lawyers don't expect you to have brilliant English or to know how to prepare a case, but it does really help if you've given it your best go because we want clients that we can work with. We're not judging you on your intellect or your formal education. We're not bothered by that. We do want clients who we can trust, work with, and that will be responsive throughout the duration of, of any claim. Now number five, 
it's obvious, but it's only coming to a five, is that you know, once you've celebrated that you've gone, reflected on your future and what you want to do, you can start now looking for a new job or start considering setting up a new business. Unless you're blessed with significant financial firepower, and some of you will be, it's always prudent to have three months living costs sprawled away somewhere. So do start looking for your next role. And when searching and planning your future career, this is absolutely crucial, is that you record evidence of these efforts, particularly if you're going to be taking your case to an employment tribunal, because you're evidencing that you're looking for a new job. The lawyers want to see that. More importantly, an employment tribunal judge would want to see that you've made efforts to find a new job. So take screenshots on your computer, your laptop, your smartphone of the jobs that you're looking for. I mean, if you end up with hundreds of these uh, screenshots of looking for jobs, you know, fair play, that's absolutely fine. Number six, consider submitting your first subject access request. Now, what is a subject access request? Under the Data Protection Act of 1998, which has been updated by the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations, from uh, 2018, you have the opportunity to ask any organisation, more or less, for the information that it holds upon you. In this case, of course, we're thinking about your employer. You can write to your employer, and it's free to do so, and you can write to them whilst you're as an employee or once you've left, you can request under a subject tax request, for example, you can request your personnel file, your occupational health file, any emails in which you're mentioned, any letters in which you're mentioned, the accident book entry, if there's an accident scenario, and any text messages or WhatsApp messages between your uh, managers or HR managers or bosses or what have you. It used to cost £10 to make a subject access request, but these days it is free. If you need more information about uh, how to make a subject access request, you can look at the Information Commissioner's website and there's plenty of information there. Now, the reasons why you should make a subject access request is because you might not know that there's a case against your employer, but obtaining a subject access request provides you that information that you can assess and your lawyers can assess to see really what happened to you. You might not know, you might think, oh, they got rid of you because you know, there was a downturn in work, when in fact they were getting rid of you because you're pregnant or because of a protected characteristic, for example, like you're, you're gay or you're Christian or you're Muslim or you're married or you're civil partnered, whatever it would be, uh, make a subject request might unearth why it, the, the real reasons why it is that you were terminated. And this is the first subject request, you can make others as well. Now the seventh thing you, you could do after you've been fired, is to consider at least making a grievance, even though you've been fired, to your former employer. A few reasons for doing so. The first is you can show that your employer, former employer, that you're not going quietly into the night. It also can generate more correspondence which can be obtained by the subject access request mechanism. But I don't recommend at all you submitting a grievance which has no sense to it. There isn't no grievance, you're just doing it to be a pain. Don't do that. If you bring in an employment tribunal claim and you've brought what is effectively a bogus grievance, the tribunal will rightly think less of you 
and often at a tribunal it's about your credibility so don't do anything that would damage your credibility so I call it the newspaper test consider any writing anything that you write by being whatsapp or text or letters or emails consider how you would feel if it was splashed across the front page of a newspaper so don't submit a grievance unless you genuinely have one and if you think you've been fired incorrectly of course you've got the appeal route which we'll come on to in a moment but a grievance is also something that could help you now number eight i've just touched upon it consider whether you need to make an appeal against your employer's decision to fire you often an employer when they terminate you will give you a period of time in which to appeal now you shouldn't always by reflex appeal a dismissal but if you are to do so you probably want to obtain legal advice and certainly your letter of appeal should be well argued well written and i would say almost lengthy now if you don't appeal and you do submit an employment tribunal claim certain elements of your compensation could be reduced by up to 25 percent so there that's a bit of an, uh, a kick a nudge to lodge an appeal but if your employer by dismissing you has done it followed a poor process and has made a dreadful decision by appealing you often give your employer the chance to seek legal advice and to do it better or terminate you better the second time round. so appealing isn't something that you should automatically do usually you should do it but not always because it gives them the opportunity to correct what they have possibly done wrong any appeal that you submit and any paperwork generated would likely appear in an employment tribunal claim so be very careful what you say and what you write now if you have submitted an appeal and you have submitted a subject access request if solicitors haven't been involved already you can bet your bottom dollar that your employer is going to be employing solicitors or HR advisors to assist them in this process because they're less likely to make an error on the appeal than they are on the initial decision to fire you but if you do choose to appeal which is usually the right thing to do but not always and your employer still botches it and they make some appalling decision to fire you when they really shouldn't have done they're going to look even more moronic than they did when they fired you the first time round so actually lodging an appeal in this scenario will help you a great deal but also ladies and gentlemen do remember that the clock is always ticking in employment law usually you've got three months less one day to get your act together and start ACAS early conciliation best advice I can give you is if in doubt start ACAS early conciliation as soon as you can but certainly within three months less one day of any incident like being dismissed or being discriminated against so when you appeal you might assume that the clock has stopped for you and that's not the case so some crafty employers might allow you to appeal and have the appeal many months after the dismissal in the hope that they knock your claim out because you haven't stopped the clock by triggering ACAS early conciliation so you have been warned now number nine please check for legal expenses insurance I've lost count of the number of conversations I've had over the years with people who've been fired and I said to them oh do you have legal expenses insurance and they say what's legal expenses insurance and I tell them it's usually if you've got a mortgage or you've got contents or buildings insurance often you've ticked a box when you're buying your cover 
that says legal expense insurance for 30 quid. People have these policies that they don't know are there and insurers are very poor at explaining to people that they have legal expense insurance. If you've got it, if the insurer thinks you've got a reasonable employment claim, then you can either use their panel solicitors or you can try and go off panel and appoint solicitors of your choosing. Certainly if you've issued tribunal claim yourself and you've got a reasonable prospects of winning, then an insurer should let you choose whichever law firm that you like. So at the moment, we're running about 10 employment tribunal claims, all paid for by legal expenses insurance at almost zero cost to our clients. So do check it, because running a case on legal expenses is miles better for you than either paying by an hourly rate yourself or having a no-win, no-fee agreement. Now, number 10, when you've been fired, at this stage, consider taking legal advice. Now, you could take legal advice about appeals or, and so on and grievances, but do take it because employment tribunal law, sorry, employment law is hugely complicated and it is changing all the time. It's imperative that you use a solicitor or legal executive or barrister who specialises in employment law. Now, if you were to ask me, about your divorce or speeding fine or drafting a commercial contract, more or less, I wouldn't know it. But ask about employment law or me, personal injury uh, and uh, litigation, I'm going to know it. So don't assume that every lawyer knows employment law. They really don't. There's very few that do. So ask the solicitor or legal executive barrister how much employment tribunal work they do. You know, how up to date are they? Are they reading the bulletins which come out pretty much on a daily basis? Number 11, you should check your contractual restrictions. If you're employed in a senior role in an organisation, then it's likely that you'll have restrictive covenants inserted into your contract. Essentially, restrictive covenants are clauses which often govern who you can work for and where following your dismissal or departure from an organisation. Now, the law surrounding restrictive covenants is really complicated. And just because your employment contract might have a restrictive covenant doesn't necessarily mean that they are legally binding. Therefore, it's of paramount importance that you take very good, specific legal advice about the enforceability of restrictive covenants. Very often, we see restrictive covenants which are unenforceable, and yet some litigious former employers will often pursue the point to scare you. So there we are. Um, check that your contract restrictive covenants. Chances are, if you are a senior person in the organisation, you know all about them already, and that your employer or former employer has brought it to your attention on numerous occasions. Number 12, you don't need a lawyer to do this, but you could start ACAS Early Conciliation. It's free to do so. As I said before, you've got three months less one day to start ACAS Early Conciliation. Now, ACAS is a government organisation which tries to resolve workplace disputes. So before you uh, bring an employment tribunal claim, you have to have a certificate, believe it or not, from ACAS to say that you've tried to resolve your dispute. Now, when you start it, it can last for up to six weeks, can ACAS early conciliation. And during that time, the ACAS conciliator will be calling your employer with your instructions, trying to resolve your dispute. Now, it's often better to have a lawyer to do the ACAS early conciliation because the employer will know that you've already gone legal. But you don't need a lawyer or even a trade union representative to do ACAS early conciliation. And as it's free to do, if you've been fired and you think that your employer might settle with you, you should start ACAS early conciliation. The conciliators there are brilliant. Number 13, if you, once you've tried ACAS early conciliation, you've got your certificate 
and you're in time, and the time periods are very short, and I won't have time to go through all the uh, time limits on this podcast, but bring an employment tribunal claim. You need to fill in what's called an ET1. Now, there's lots of model ET1s on the Truth Legal Legal Library there, entirely free for you to use. There's just ideas of what you could write. Essentially, you're explaining the claims that you have and what happened to you. Uh, write it in numbered paragraphs. I would do that if I was you. Um, or you can just, uh, absolutely, and in, as well, you must fill in the forms, which are fairly simple to use, but it is best to have a employment solicitor fill in your ET1 for you. Number 14, um, after you've already submitted your first subject access request, you can always submit a second one. Now, you shouldn't do it vexatiously or just to annoy anybody, but perhaps following a grievance or an appeal, um, there could be much more correspondence about you that you want to get your hands on. So consider submitting a second subject access request to mop up any hopefully explosive correspondence, emails, text messages, etc., that your employer and their staff might have been saying about you because it might assist your case. So come to the end of these 14 things that you could do and perhaps there'll be some others. If you've thought of things that I've forgotten, would you email me at andrewg at truthlegal.com and suggest some things which people should do that I haven't put in these 14 items? I would be grateful for your thoughts on that. And always consider using our website We've got lots of free material on there. We're trying to make it a resource. It's free documents in the legal library. And I wish you the best in your new life. Post-dismissal, post-being fired, I reckon you're going to bounce back and uh, good on you. Thank you. (music)